Well, let's pray and, and cleanse our minds and our hearts and prepare for it. Father in heaven, as we humbly bow in your presence this day, we thank you for Jesus. You wanted us, in a sense, to be your valentine. You say, I love you so much, I give you my son, my only unique begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Father, there's no greater Christmas gift, no greater valentine's gift than the one that you've given. And we thank you for that, Father. And today... Even though our lesson doesn't have a lot to do with Valentine's Day, it does have a lot to do with your love. And it has a lot to do with preparing us to face life day to day in this land that we live in. And so, Father, I just pray that you will bless your word, that the intended desire that you have behind it whenever you, you spoke it and you breathed it, that we will, we will take it in. And that it will nourish us. And Father may you be exalted this day. Through your word. May you be glorified. In the way we praise you. And thank you and live our life. And may we be edified by your word. Built up Father. So that we can be your people. May we be a Joshua and Caleb. And not the other ten. And we ask this Father. Your blessing upon it. Your help with doing it. In Jesus name. Amen. Wow. Greetings and salutations. You ready to inhale the word of God? You know, whenever God created man, we're, we're just stuck in Genesis 1. Maybe it's because it's my favorite chapter almost in the Bible. But we're, when, when he formed man from the dust of the ground, he made us and he formed us. And then he breathed into that shell the breath of of life it says into the nostrils of man God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul the breath of God gives life the spark of life is through the breath of God and it says in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that all scripture is God breathed every word in our Bible is breathed by God, that means it gives life. What did, what did the Lord say? My words are the words of life. His disciples, whenever most of them went away from a hard saying, he said, are you going to go away also? And, and his disciples said, where would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. So every word of God is God breathed. It provides life. It provides strength. It provides nourishment to us. And it says that it is profitable, that it is equipping to us so that we might be perfect, thoroughly furnished or equipped unto every good work. But whenever it says that the man of God might be complete, now, it doesn't mean complete. Let me tell you what the word means. Aphalia, that word means to be ready. It means to be ready and well able to do something. That means that the word of God is breathed for us, God breathes out, we inhale in. We take in the word of God and it becomes a part of us so that our life, when it is exhaled, so to speak, 
our life then is led by that word of God. And it says that if you will do that, it is profitable. It gives you this completeness, but it means to be ready and well equipped. Why? Because we're in a war. We're in a battle, a spiritual battle in this life. And we need to be ready. We need to be well equipped for being able to carry on that battle. And every word of God is God breathed. And this story today is one of those to prepare us for just that. To be ready now. That's what that word complete means. To be ready now to go forward into this. And so for three weeks I've been trying to get to Joshua, haven't we? But we've just kept kind of working our way there. Well, we're going to get to meet him today. We're going to get to meet Joshua. First, if you, if you got your Bibles with you, turn to Numbers 12 and 13 and 14. That's where we're going to be. 13 and 14 is our main thrust. I'm going to start with 12 to prepare a foundation for us so that we'll know what's going on. But in chapter 13, we're going to get introduced to a man by the name of Hoshea. Hoshea. That's who we're going to get introduced in chapter 13. But in chapter 12, what we have setting up the scene is Miriam, the sister of Moses. She gets jealous because Moses is now married an Ethiopian woman. And she had been Moses' caretaker, you know, when he was born and held for that three months before he was in the ark and put into the bulrushes and Pharaoh's daughter got it. It was... Miriam who mama said go and watch over him and then Miriam said let me go find a Hebrew woman for you to nurse Miriam has been looking after Moses since he was born taking care of that boy and now he married someone and she got jealous oh Miriam the sister got jealous didn't like it that he was giving attention to someone else now she starts you remember last week what we started out with about in James about our tongues and how that it's such a little member but it causes such a great fire and it gets ignited by the fires of hell. Well, it says here that Miriam started to wag her tongue and who did she grab but her brother Aaron and she said to Aaron, are we not as important as Moses? Doesn't God, you know, visit with us too a little bit? And haven't we been praising him? And didn't we do all of this coming out through here too? Why is it that it's all about Moses, Moses, Moses? Well, there's something about the Lord said, and the word of God says that every idle word, we're going to be held accountable for. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because I got a lot of idle words, I'll tell you about that. A lot of idle thoughts especially as I was younger and growing up. But here are some idle words. You know, you get upset and you start talking with somebody and you do that, don't you? You, you get together. I was an only child, so, but you get with people that had brothers and sisters. I'm sure that whenever one of you made you mad, a couple other ones got together and talked about it, right? Yeah, or beat you up, one of the two. Johnny was tough. You had all sisters, didn't you? Boy, I bet that was tough. I bet, they, I bet one of the sisters at some point got upset and started talking about you. That, uh, they still do. But that's what, that's what happens. Our tongue starts to flapping a little bit. But the Lord heard what she was saying about one of the leaders, Moses. And all of a sudden, the Lord gets angry and he calls the three of them, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, up before the tabernacle and he gets on to them. 
And he's not very happy. And there at the verse 8, he says to Miriam and to Aaron, who had been talking about this, and it says, Why is it that you were not afraid to speak against my servant? That's a lesson for me. I don't want to speak against any servant of God. You know it? He said, why were you not fearful to be speaking against my servant? God departed angry. And you know what happened? Miriam turned leprous. It says there in the next verses that she was as white as snow. So I can imagine you're standing there. You just got chewed out by God. And Aaron got drug into this by her. He's always in the middle of stuff that people's getting him drug into. And all of a sudden, he looks over there and goes, Girl! (laughs) Whoa! Leprosy! Get away! He goes, You turn into Snow White! And he's looking around for seven dwarves. (laughs) You got leprosy! Where does he go? Next verse. Where does he go? Moses. Who you just been flapping about? Moses. But where do you go to when you got trouble? Moses. And he says, Moses, we need help. Um, we're sorry. We, we, spoke, we spoke against you just out of turn, Moses. I'm sorry, but I need help now. I need some help. Would you pray for her? Something's got to happen. We don't want her skin to fall off. She must have had it bad. So, Moses, the, the word said up above there when God was explaining about Moses to the two of them, he said, there's not a more humbler man that I know of than Moses. Moses humbled himself and said, sure. And he gets down and he prays for her. And God comes back and he says, you know what? I'll heal her of this. But by rights, you've got to remain unclean for seven days just as if leprosy is worse than you're unclean if a father spit in your face is what God said right there. But he said leprosy is even worse than that. So she's going to remain outside the camp for seven days. And after that time, she can come back in. But Moses, because you're praying for her, I'm going to go ahead and save her. So that's where we're at. This is the background of where they have been and now she comes back into the camp and you turn the page and if you're at numbers 13 now we get ready to get started because they've came all the way on this journey to a point to where they could cross over and go into the land if they got enough faith this is one year in and God has prepared them for about a year to get ready to go into the land but they got a test to face because they're afraid to go over God said I give you the land I want you to go over and I've brought you to this point. You've seen what I have did with the Egyptians. You've seen what I did with the Red Sea. You've seen everything. It's time to go. And you know what they said? We want to search out the land. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But they said we want to search out the land. Make sure what God said is true. How many times we do that? We can read something. But then we always go, well, I don't know if that means that for me today. I don't know if God's looking at me today with that, don't we? And we kind of get, get doubled up there a little bit. And we're saying, I believe the word, but is it for me? And is he looking at me with this? And that's what they're saying. They said, we want to send some people over and see if it is. And so he said, okay, go ahead. And he said, 
by the command of God, I'm going to pick 12 men, one from each tribe, a leader of each tribe to represent them. And we're going to go over. And he starts going through the names there of the people that he chose. And he gets down to verse 6. And we have from the tribe of Judah. That's the Lord's tribe. We got a man named Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And then we got a bunch of other guys there too that I have no idea about. Shamua, Shaphat, Egal, Guel. You ever heard of those guys? You know why? They're zeros and not heroes. Those are the ten that gave a bad report. Even after going over and seeing, they still wouldn't believe. We don't talk about Guel and Egal, do we? We talk about Joshua and Caleb. But it says in verse 6 that there was Caleb, the son of Japuna. And in verse 8 is from the tribe of Ephraim, the double portion tribe, we have Hosea. Now, I remember at, when we began, I told you he's going to get to see Hosea. Well, if you go on down just a little bit, he's going to get a new name. I like Revelation 2, verse 17. You know what happens to overcomers? You get a new name. It was three years ago, right about now, that we was in Revelation. Any of you still that was here have your white rock? Yeah, still got your white rock. Mine sits on the computer right there in front of me to remind me every time I sit down to do a lesson. So I grabbed it today because... Whenever we was in chapter 2, in verse 17, it says, To those who overcome, those who overcome are those who never doubt and they trust in the Lord God, it says in the book of 1 John. To those who overcome, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone you're going to have a new name written. You know, God loves to give new names, don't he? You're going to get a white stone and you're going to get a new name and you're the only one that knows what that name is right now. So if you'll remember, Abram and Sarah, Sarai went to Abraham and Sarah. You had Jacob who wrestled with the Lord and then he renamed him Israel. And here you got Hosea. And in Numbers chapter 13, if you're there in verse 16, or in verse um, 16, yeah, he gets a new name. It says, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. There's our man, Joshua. He started out as Hosea, but he was renamed. He got a new name. He got the name Joshua. Hosea means salvation. Joshua is Yahshua. Or Jesus in the, in the Greek New Testament. So it's the same name. Because Joshua and the book of Joshua is a, is a shadow of the things about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it means Jehovah is my salvation. So he became Jehovah my salvation. And you know what? Jehovah is our salvation too, isn't he? His name is Jesus. And so now we know who he is. And so they're going to get ready and they're going to go across now. Those 12 men are chosen and Moses gives them the game plan starting there in verse 17. He says, I want you to go uh, south and up. And so we think north is up and south is down. But what he's telling, one's a direction and one's an elevation. Because towards the south, I want you to head south 
and go up the mountain. And I want you to be able to start overlooking everything and seeing what's going on down there. And he said, here's, here's what we're going to do. So basically, they're on a recon team. Isaac might be going on a recon sometime over there in Saudi Arabia, and your guy's going to give you a game plan on what you're going to do. And he's going to say, I want you to go this direction, and I want you to look around. What's the fruits of the land? Are, is there fruits of the land like the Lord God said that there's going to be? What about the people? Are they numerous? Are they few? Are they tent dwellers like we are? Or do they have cities? Do they have walled cities? Are they fortified? What, what is it like there? And bring us back some of the fruit and bring us back word of what you find over there in the land. And he sent them to the land and they, it says that they started out over there in the valley of Eskol where there was grape country and it was time for the first fruits of the grapes. So they get out there and they depart on this recon. They spent 40 days in recon all around that land. And they come back and they present themselves back to Moses and to the people. And they come back and they're anxiously awaiting the word. And you know what they do? They show off those fruits. A cluster of grapes took two men with a pole to hold it up. And bring one cluster of grapes in. And they brought pomegranates and the fruits. And they brought it off and they showed it. And can you imagine being the people there? Israel is almost two million people. Moses is there. The people are waiting. You've spent 400 years under the thumb of Egypt. God sent this man Moses to come and redeem you. And bring you out of Egypt and out of bondage. And... Now you have crossed over the Red Sea into this land. You've spent a year here getting trained and getting ready to believe that God can deliver on his word. And you send them off and now you've waited another 40 days to see before they come back. And here they come and you see the prizes. Can you feel the excitement building up of all of these people that's been pent up for all of these years. And now the land that God promised through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they told us all of this land that he's going to give us. A land that flows with milk and honey. And they're all buzzing. And everybody's stirring. And they can see the trophies coming in. They set it down. And three reports are really given. They want to hear what the men have to say. I'm, I, I don't know who was carrying the greats. But I'm going to think it was Joshua and Caleb. I'm just going to say I can't prove it. But I'm just saying I'm thinking they are because the other ten get up to talk first, don't they? So they're carrying the stuff and they're celebrating, maybe. But anyway, they're celebrating God while these guys get up and they say, first report, all twelve agree. Surely this is a land that flows with milk and honey. Just as God told us it did. Look at all of these grapes and pomegranates and fruits that we have. It truly is just as God had said it was. And you can just feel the excitement and the buzzing. Nevertheless. I don't like nevertheless. That doesn't sound good to me coming in right here. Nevertheless, it says, the people that dwell there in the land are strong. Woo! I mean, they're strong. And the cities, 
Man, them cities ain't like nothing you have ever seen in your life. Huge. Walled. Fortified. And very large. And moreover. (laughs) Moreover kind of goes with nevertheless, don't it? (laughs) So you got nevertheless. I mean, God's good. All the time, right? That's what we say. God is good. And there's always an echo all the time. Well, and all the time, God is good. We don't need a moreover or a nevertheless. But we always have, but you know what? I got this going on. Or so-and-so's got this going on. Or this is happening to, we always got a moreover or a nevertheless. How about we just keep it that look at the fruits of the land, let's go get it. But we got a moreover and a nevertheless. Not only is it strong people, fortified cities, and all of that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And right now, your jaw is supposed to drop and go, and you pass out. You know why? They knew who the sons of Anak were. We don't. We have no idea. I'll probably bring it up a little bit more at the end, but Ken, put your hat on and come here. Yeah, come here. Get your hat and come here. Jaden, come here. Yeah, put it on come up here. You get up here on this first step. Sons of Anak, 12, 12 spies. Think you can take him? Huh? (laughs) Think hard. You got 40 days. No? Dude, I am surprised at you. I have to tell you something. Two years ago when we went to karate class... You've got to get some more spitfire in you like you had, boy. Ian, J.R.'s son, Ian's a big boy. First night there, he says, we're going to wrestle. You know what this one does? He goes, I want you. I ain't afraid of you. And you wrestled Ian. Don't you remember that? You're supposed to say I can take him. Okay, go ahead and sit down. But that... That's what we're looking at, folks. We're looking at sons of Anak versus the 12 who were walking up. We get on to them pretty hard, don't we? Because we always go, 10 spies didn't have any faith. 10 spies this and that, you know. But Joshua and Caleb, well, let's walk a mile in their moccasins before we start just saying da-da-da about the 10. Let me tell you a little bit of something about these sons of Anak. They knew who they were. For 40 days, they've been looking at the Amorites, the Hittites, the Amalekites, and all of these different termites and everything else that's down in there. Earmites, bedbugs, whatever. They've seen all of these critters running around, and they are big, and they are strong, and so is their cities, and they're fierce, and they're warriors, and they've been battling back and forth these 400 years that we've been in bondage, and... We don't know anything about war and we don't have weapons and they do. How big are they? 
Well, how big was Goliath? Do you remember Goliath and David? You know how big he was? The scripture says that he was um, six cubits in a span. Now, six cubits in a span. No. Yeah, six cubits in a span. Nine foot, nine inches tall is probably about what Goliath was. And you know where Goliath was from? Anybody remember Goliath of Gath? Goliath of Gath. Let me show you something about a Goliath of Gath. He's a descendant. Joshua chapter 11 verse 21 says, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim, these sons of Anak, from the mountains, from Hebron and Debur and Anak, all the descendants of Judah from all of the mountains that Israel was going to possess, he utterly destroyed them and their cities. And in verse 22 of Joshua 11, it says, None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. Those, those were the cities where they remained and a few of them continued to, to move on and Goliath of Gath and his brothers of Gath were probably descendants of these same sons of Anak. Are you starting to get the picture of what they saw whenever they went there? He is described as nine foot, nine inches tall. He had a coat of armor that was in the hundreds of pounds. His spearhead was 17 to 18 pounds. Now you take a spear, a long thing, and put an 18-pound bowling ball on the end of it and try to hold that up and see how far you can throw it. The weight on the end of that you could not even hold up. That was his spear that he carried and threw. We are talking big and strong. Let me, let me sh tell you about another one. It says in, Moses says in verse 3 of chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, the Lord our God delivered into the hands of us in these battles another one, Og, the king of Bashan, an Amorite nation, with his people, and we attacked till there was no more remaining. And look at what verse 11 says. Give me next slide, Misty. Look, look at that, Deuteronomy 3.11. Look at what he says there. Only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the giants, and indeed, his bedstead was iron, solid iron, and it's still in Raboth of Ammon. Its length is nine cubits, and it was four cubits in width, according to the cubit of a man. They're thinking it, it bedstead sounds like a bed, but I've, as I studied this, it said it could have been his sarcophagus, his coffin. Nine cubits by Four cubits is 13 and a half feet long by six feet wide. King Og had to have that that was 13 and a half feet long and six foot wide. That's a big dude. Real big dude. Robert Wadlow. Many of you have seen him as the Guinness Book of World Records tallest man in modern day. Look at the size of that dude. 8 foot 11, 490 pounds. Now, Goliath 
was nine foot nine, add another foot to him. Add another foot. He's 490 pounds and he doesn't look like Hercules to me. He does not. Goliath was Hercules, big, strong as an oak tree, tall as a cedar tree, big. Add another foot to him, put him at about 600 pounds plus armor and weapons, and now you're a Hebrew man that went over there to spy out the land, and you're about average five foot five, five foot six, buck thirty, soaking wet. And you see tribes of those running around, tribes, just like them. It says that the sons of Anak, and it lists three of the men there. Well, that's three whole tribes of descendants, just like Jacob had 12 tribes of Israel. Take, take a fourth, a quarter of that. Right now, they're standing at two million. So you take four, five hundred thousand of these men in an area, and you're seeing four to five cities and people like that, are you thinking you're taking them? I'm, I'm thinking that the flesh kind of takes over a little bit, and we're like Jaden looking at Ken and going, I'm about like a grasshopper, not only in their sight, but in my sight, man. I feel like a grasshopper, and they also look at me like a grasshopper, and woo, this thing ain't, I agree, that there's fruit. The Lord's right. But dude, he didn't warn us about these guys. So you're start, starting to see what they went up against. I don't want to be so hard on them. Because what about the little giants in my life that I face? And a lot of times they put fear in me. And I just can't do it. I just can't make it. There's no way I can go up against that. And God's made us promises just like he did them, honey. I'm always going to be with you. I can take care of you. I am your shield and your strong reward. You will never want. What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I you know what want means? Lack anything. Lack anything. But if the Lord is my shepherd, I will not lack anything. Do I believe it? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Why? For thou art with me. God's on my side. You got these promises. But then I see my giants. And a lot of, yeah, I agree that God's with me. I agree that he can probably provide everything. But I just don't feel like it right now. I feel like a grasshopper in the sight of everything that's going on against me right now. So then they come back. With this report. They all agreed. That God is good. We believe half his word. Which is about what we do most of the time. I believe about half of it. That the fruit's there. The man this other half. I don't know that he's going to carry me. Through all this. So verse 28. Nevertheless. As they're giving it to him. He says. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. But nevertheless. The people who dwell there are strong. They're barrel-chested, they're muscular, they're big, they're the descendants of Anak. They're all of this. Amos 2.9 says that God says, I think it's going to come in a minute, but I'm just 
telling you, it says in Amos 2.9 that they're tall as cedars and strong as oaks, yet I destroyed them. You know what? The battle is not mine, it's the Lord's, isn't it? What did he tell Moses when he opened the Red Sea? Tell him to stand still, the battle is mine, I will fight for you. What did David say? He didn't slay Goliath, God did. He just used him to do it, but it was God who slayed Goliath, the giant. But he said, I am not afraid of that uncircumcised Philistine like the rest of you all are, because I know my shepherd. And yea, though I walk. You see, Israel was on one mountain, and the, the Philistines was on the other mountain, and Goliath was challenging them to go down into the valley and fight with them. Nobody wanted to enter the valley of the shadow of death. David said, I wrote Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk in that valley, the Lord is with me and I will fear no evil. We need to begin to fear no evil, but how we do it is to continue to take in this word and trust in the promises and every time he delivers it builds the faith that I fear no evil. They said that the Lord's good, but the people are big. This is what they look like. Descendants of Anak, Hittites, Jebusites. They're all over the place. Canaanites. They're everywhere. And the deck is just stacked against us. And we're not going to be able to do it. And while the ten are blurting out those things, can you see all the excitement that had built from the crowd that was gathered together and saw the grapes and the fruits coming in? Can you see now the excitement and the buzz that was going on deflated like a balloon that you let go that hadn't been tied? Just everything fell out. Now everything turns into depression and anger and frustration. How many times has that set in on us whenever we realize what comes up against us? Now all of a sudden they're getting angry. You mean we've waited all of this time? And we, we, we've got so built up, God, and now look what you put out there. You brought us out here just to be destroyed by these people. We can't do it. We can't cross over. It'd be better off if we had just fell over back in Egypt and, and stayed there and died. Whew. Watch your idle words. You might get what you asked for. Not a one of these except Caleb and Joshua is going to get to. Watch your idle words you might get what you asked for but Caleb now as as it went from shouts of joy and all the stuff to now they're angry and stuff Caleb jumps up and here's little Caleb and he gets up there like Jaden whoa hey 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 everybody listen and so they're quieting the crowd down before Moses he says what he goes wait let me tell you look at the fruits of the land and let us, boys, grab your slingshots, men. Grab your slings and let's go because the Lord is well able to deliver them into our hands. Let's go get them. <laughs> that's, man, that's, that's Caleb. I love Caleb. Caleb, I'll tell you, his name, we said Joshua means Jehovah, my Savior. Caleb means dog. I don't know why named dog. I do know that they weren't appreciated back then, but now they've become what man's best friend, so to speak, is what they call him. So Caleb is loyal. That's what a, a dog can be: is loyal 
and your best friend. And he's loyal to God and to the word of God. And he said, men, get your stuff and let's go because he is well able to deliver these people into our hands. And let's go do it. And they all shouted, no, we can't. No, we can't. And the other ten stood up and said, we are not able to take the land. And the word of God said that with that, it was a bad or an evil report. Why was it an evil report? Anytime you rebel against a promise of God and says that it ain't going to happen, that's wrong. That's an evil report because God is going to do what he said he is going to do. There's a couple of scriptures that, that bear that out. God is going to do what, he's, what he can do. They said we can't. He said God said we can do it. I'm way out there. Miss Tease is like, he's, he's lost me. Yeah, she's shaking her head, yeah. Romans 14, whatever is not of faith is sin. What's faith? Hearing the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing by word of God. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So that means if God said it and I don't believe it, that ain't good. God said, you know what God said back in chapter 13, verse 1, when they were sending the spies over? God specifically told Moses to tell them, this is the land that I am giving to you. What we don't understand is past tense. Past tense means I have already given it to you. That was what was told. This land I have already given to you, it is yours. Go ahead and go see it, that it's not everything that I said it was. And they brought back everything they said. So if he said, I have already given it to you, they're not believing it, are they? So whatever is not of faith is sin. The other in James 4 verse 17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. They were supposed to go over and cross the land right then. Because of unbelief, God said, for every day that you spent over there and saw that the word of mine was true and that the fruits was there, those 40 days, because you don't believe, you're going to take a year for a day and you're going to spend 40 years in this wilderness till you know that I am the Lord God. And sometimes we stay in a land and we don't cross over just because we continue to not believe the word of God and trust in it that he's already delivered us ain't nothing to worry about we've already been forgiven whatever the case is that that's got us worried we do that and God says I guess I gotta let you wander a little bit longer until you understand that I've already promised you I've already given it I've already delivered it but you've got to learn the hard way. So I'm going to teach you some more. And that's what's going on here. And he tells them that. So then, in, and like I said, God told them to cross over. They wanted to make sure God told them the truth. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 19. Moses is given the history now because this is like the 39 years later and they're getting ready to go over again. And he's given the history and he said, when we departed from Horeb and we came to Kadesh Barnea. That was the place in Paran where they, he sent the spies over. It says, 
I told you the Lord said he had given you this land. See, it's past tense. I have given you. I told you the Lord said that. But you didn't believe it. He has said it before you. God said, go and you will possess it. But you didn't believe it. Look at verse 22. Every one of you came to me and said, let us send men before us. Let them search out the land for us and bring back word that we may cross over. I don't trust God's report. I would rather trust our report. Let every one of you, when I said God has gave it to you, go get it. You said, no, let's go see. Let's choose some people and we want to see for ourselves and they'll bring back the report. I have already given you the land. Then he says, you said that every one of you came. I said, okay. So we found 12 of the finest. You saw the fruit of the grapes, the grapes of Eskel. And to this day, if you look at the board of tourism of Israel, their symbol is the grapes of Eskel with the grapes by two men on that, that rod of wood because the, the blessings of God for the land of Israel to this day. But they didn't, still didn't believe it, that God was going to bless them. Moses said, they brought back everything just like God said, but you didn't trust the other half of the promise. And he said, I've already given it to you, just go get it. Which the Lord our God gave you, you rebelled against the command of God. This, man, this was crushing me this week. Because how many times have I done that? I've put myself in those shoes of those people. And how many times have I... I didn't look at it as rebelling against the word of God. I just looked at it that I'm a little trepidatious. I'll use one of Lisa's big words. I'm a little trepidatious. I'm, I'm, I, I just don't know. I got to check it out myself. I just can't give myself completely over. But Moses said... That's rebelling against a promise. You rebelled against the command of God to go take it. And then that's what those two verses that I gave you. So I just now caught up. So Moses continues in verse 26. You wouldn't go up into the land and cross over. Instead, what did they do? You go to chapter 14 and verse 1. After they gave the report and Caleb said, we're well able, we're well equipped. What does the word of God gives you? It says, what did we begin with when in 2 Timothy 3.16? That it is, makes you complete, well equipped, ready now to be able to go and to do every good work. That Caleb quoted that to them. We are well able and well equipped to go take it now. We're ready now. But Moses said, you wouldn't do it. But instead... Numbers 14, verse 1. You cried and complained in your tents all night long. You had the nerve to say that the Lord hates us. That's why he brought it. I know none of you ever said that whenever you're going through bad times. You've never said it must be because God don't love me anymore. I've done something wrong. You cried all night in your tents. Well, why did he bring us over here out of Egypt and to deliver us just into the hands of these Amorites? He hates us. And then we got this discouraging word from our brother. Somebody said something against me that hurt my feelings and told me I couldn't do it. You cried all night long in your tents. 
And I tell you, the Lord, I told you that the Lord, your God, goes before you and you are well able and you would not believe it. Did I not tell you that, he said there in Deuteronomy. God has carried you like a, like a father carries his son over the danger spot and you still refused to go over. Only Caleb and Joshua believed in the promises of God. So before we close, let's make some applications of this story. Because this exact scene is talked about in 1 Corinthians and it says that they did these things and it's recorded for you and I. These things are important for you and I to learn from about life and about God and about following the promises of God and trusting in Him. Joshua chapter 1, turn there with me. In Joshua chapter 1, listen to what the Word of God says to him. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant and assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is now dead. Therefore, arise and you go up over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Listen to this promise, folks. This is to us in the day in the land that we walk in right now, our, our valley, okay? He said, here's what I'm giving you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. You're a child of God and you're possessing where you are at right now. Every step you take, I am there. I will be with you just as I was with Moses all that time. From the wilderness of Lebanon to the great rivers Euphrates, all the lands of your enemies, they're yours. No man, now listen, this is our application. No man, no enemy, no man, no demon, no anything that comes against you shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Because as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And I know that my Lord, after his crucifixion, when he was my Valentine's present, my Christmas present, my everlasting life present, before he arose in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, he said, go into all the world, preach this gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all of these things in my word, what they're supposed to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The same promise that's given to Joseph or Joshua is given to us through Jesus. You see how they are, he's named after our Lord. It's the same promise. God says, every place the sole of your foot will tread, every enemy cannot stand in your way, because I will be with you, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And if you are the Lord's this day, the same promise is to us. Same promise. 
So what's he say then going on in Joshua 1? So why are you fearful? Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be strong. You will go and you will divide the inheritance. But then he tells them again in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. All you got to do is do it. He's there with you. Go take it. I will be with you and you're going to observe everything according to the law that Moses wrote down. The promise from God is always there. And this is our promise too. And I, as we close, I got to, I got to recognize little Jaden, little Caleb. He said to, to the uh, son of Anax, you know, back then he said, we're well able, we're well equipped. He had the faith to go take it. I want you to see his epitaph here. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Man, you got to see this. I absolutely love Caleb and his attitude. Listen to this. I don't think the Lord could make any higher compliment of any person than what he said in Numbers 14, 24, that my servant Caleb has a different spirit in him. He's got faith and he followed me fully. Then he says this, I will bring him over into the land when they've crossed over. Now Joshua 14, 6, it says this, and it's beautiful. So here we are, they've crossed over. They've been fighting for six years to rid the land of all of those things like God told them to do. In 14.6, Caleb went up to Joshua and said, Remember, do you remember when it was just you and I, the only ones with faith, and the Lord God said concerning about us? He says, I was 40 years old then. I was 40 years old when that bad report was made and the people's hearts melted, but I wholly followed the Lord God. And Moses said, Surely I will give you the inheritance in the land because you wholly followed me. That's what God said. Now, look at what he tells Joshua. I mean, just look at this. Now, I am 85 years old. I'm 85. The Lord has kept me alive these other 45 years through the wilderness, through the stuff, through the battles for these five years fighting for this land. And I am 85 years old. And I am as strong today as I was back then. There's not one ounce of me that is not as strong as I was back then. And I am still well able and well equipped by faith in my God to take that mountain. And I want what is mine after all of these years. I am well able to drive them out. And as our worship team comes on back up. And you turn the page to Joshua chapter 15 and verse 14. This is what it says. Caleb drove out those three sons of Anak, the giant guys. He drove out all of their people, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. He drove all of them and their descendants out of the mountains. Then he went on up to drive out the the inhabitants of Debir. 85 years old. How about you? You got faith? He said, I'm 85 years old. I've been waiting for this day to go up. You know what Anak means? Anak, is, that's just well, the term for them. But when you look at what the definition of Anak is, it's long-necked. Long-necked. Because those folks were tall and they had long necks. And he says, 
I'm ready to take on those long-necked people, uncircumcised long-necks. I'm ready to go up there and take them. I'm 85 and ain't nothing diminished for me. And I got faith that God's going to deliver them into my hand. And the word of God says that by faith, God helped him to drive out every enemy and then some from those mountains. And it says that he and his family inherited that place forever. How about you? You ready just to drive all of the enemies out? You ready to say, I'm with Caleb. I stand with Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, it looks big out there. It looks scary. It looks rough. You know, we walk through the valley of shadow of death every day, guys. Whether you think you get out here in anything. Anything. So, yay, we walk. But I will fear no evil. For I know who my shepherd is. And he is with me. And he will not forsake me. And he will deliver me until he says, you're mine. And then he's going to give me a big hug and welcome me in. Are you ready for that? Well, let's have faith and let's do it. Let's take this word of God and let it build us up to no matter what. We will stand against the enemy. Because why? Because we take in the word of God every day and every week. We breathe it in. We, God breathed it out to us. We breathe it in. And now we are well able and well equipped to take the giants out of the land. Let's pray. I guess that was my buzzer, Lord, that it was time to go. They were long-necked and I'm long-winded. But Father, we love you. And that's why we gather here together, no matter what, rain or shine, cold, snow, heat, it don't matter. Because we want to take in what you've breathed out. We want to breathe this word in. We want to build faith, Father. We want to build courage. We want to be strong and very courageous. We want to be able to stand. And boy, our eyes, when we see the things out there, it, it does get tough. We pray that your word will encourage us. That these things will be reminded of us all the time. Father, as we move on, I know you're putting it on our hearts to study these things. And the reason is, as we're going to study what Moses told Joshua, what you told Moses to tell them, and what you told Joshua to do, they read every bit of this, Father. They studied it through bit by bit every year. They studied it all the way through. Every seventh year, they stood together in their communities and read these very words, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They read them aloud every year. They read them in one time, gathered together every seven years. And the commandment was, take these things and teach them to your children every day. You, when you're sitting, when you're walking in the way, when you're lying down, when you're having dinner, you meditate and command and teach these things all the time so that you might have faith. And Father, we are in the shape that we are in because we have failed to do this in the last few generations. And now the generations are so far away from you that they don't even know your word. So, Father, that's why we have to build our souls with this word 
to redevelop the faith that we're supposed to have to be able to slay the giants that walk through the land. Father, may you be with us. May you bless each and every soul that's here today and their families that they represent. Father, may you bless them. May you keep them. May they be strong and courageous and your face shine upon them, Father, and your love envelop them. In Jesus' name, amen.